Today's impossible command is give cheerfully. Yeah? No, I don't. It's flopping down here. There we go. Probably. There we go. Today's impossible command is to give cheerfully. And it comes from Paul's second letter to the Christians at Corinth. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Like the commands to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, to give thanks in all circumstances. It's the adverb here that gets you, the cheerfully part. Now, I'm a giver. I tie to the Lord's work. I give to other things too, Salvation Army, the conservation projects, Girl Scout cookies. Is that giving? Maybe not. But but I do give money, and I give my time too. Uh, I clean up the highway, help out the neighbors, volunteer with Camp Kowakin, and I do it willingly. Like you, I know that it's my duty to do my part. I'm a Minnesotan, and Minnesotans are givers. Did you know that Minnesota is the number three state when it comes to volunteering? One-third of Minnesotans volunteer in a formal way, like with Hastings Family Service or with youth activities, scouts and, and uh, sports and 4-H or church ministries, those kinds of things. And that makes us number three in the nation. And two-thirds of Minnesotans volunteer informally, like helping out their neighbors. Minnesotans really give their time. And Minnesotans give their money as well. Two-thirds of Minnesotans give more than $25 to charity. It's not a very high bar, but it's better than all but three states. Minnesotans are givers. Sorry, I don't have any statistics for uh, Wisconsin, but I bet that whether you're from Minnesota or Wisconsin, that you're a giver. Because Christians are better givers than the average American. Even better than the average Minnesotan. So it's a pretty safe bet that you give your time and your treasures to benefit others. But how cheerful are you about it? That's a different question, isn't it? At Christmas time, when you walk out the store and you hear the familiar ringing of the bell, do you say, oh, goody, another bell ringer. I can't wait to put something in the kettle again. Or when uh, we put the, God could use somebody like you board up there in the, in the lobby, uh, 
Were you just pushing people aside to get to it? Was there nothing that could hold you back? No, you did not. I was watching. You did not. And each fall, and we have our stewardship drive, and we use that to support the ministries of the church. Do you anxiously check your mailbox just waiting for the pledge card to arrive? Perhaps not. We're givers, but we don't always do it cheerfully. Want further proof? Those of you who give your time on a church ministry team or committee or, or even in the band, have you ever thought, gee, I wish I didn't have a church meeting tonight? You win anyways because you're that kind of person. You're a giver. And you know others were depending on you. So you show up. But do you always show up cheerfully? Sometimes it's like kids going to school. They show up because they're supposed to, because it's good for them. But you want to see cheer, just give them an actual snow day. Not this week, though. Even the kids are sick of snow by now. But it's the cheerful part of this command that makes it so hard to follow. And God means it. The attitude we have when we do something matters. Do you remember what the Corinthians were told about love in 1 Corinthians 13? If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I'd be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body... I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Even when we are obeying God and doing something good, our attitude matters. We can give away everything we have, but God doesn't just want a giver. God wants a loving, cheerful giver, not a reluctant, half-hearted giver who is simply doing their duty. Attitude matters. Because God wants to bless you as well as the person you are giving to. You know, when Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, he was taking up a collection for the needy Christians in Jerusalem. We don't know exactly what was going on with them, but we know that they were going through a particularly tough time. And so Paul encouraged the Corinthians and the other Christians that he knew to take an offering to help them out. Now, for the Christians in Jerusalem, it doesn't really matter how the Corinthians felt about giving as long as they did it. What did the hungry in Jerusalem care whether the Corinthians gave cheerful or not? But to God, it's another matter. Because God is concerned not only for the receiver, but also for the giver. God knows it's more blessed to give than to receive, as Jesus says in Acts 20, verse 35. But that blessing comes when the giving is done cheerfully and not out of compulsion, done with love and not just out of duty. And that's the problem. Because I can't always say that I'm a cheerful giver, at least not as cheerful as God would want me to be, my cheer level doesn't always match my giving level. So giving I can do. Giving cheerfully, that's harder. Sometimes it's downright impossible. 
And I assume it's not always easy for you either. So once again, let's walk through those four steps for dealing with commands like this one that seem impossible from, from John T. Alcock's book, Impossible Commands. Remember the first step? First step is honesty. I can't do it, God. God, you tell me to tithe, I'll tithe. You tell me to help my neighbor, I'll help my neighbor. But don't ask me to be cheerful about it. I don't always feel cheerful, God. My wife would say that I'm a bit of a hoarder. Now, I've known hoarders, and I'm no hoarder. We had a neighbor afflicted with this compulsion. She bought a whole elementary school building. The church asked her if we could store some of our old boxes of records there for her, the church records, historical records. And she said, sure. Within just a few years, she had filled the entire school floor to ceiling with junk. The city condemned the building and because of the mold and the rats and the rot, and the church lost all its historical records because they wouldn't even let anyone in there. It was so bad. They just bulldozed the whole thing. No, I'm not like that. Or am I? I do keep jars of bent nails and random screws and windshield wipers for cars that I no longer own and, and buckets of golf balls and I don't play golf. It's hard to let go even of junk. So how am I supposed to feel cheerful about letting go of valuable things like my time and my money? I just can't do it, God. Now your story is different than mine but maybe not so different when it comes to the cheerful part of giving. Being honest is step one. God, I can't do it. Step two is sorrow for the state of our heart. It's saying, I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry I get so focused on what's mine, my money, my time, my things, that I have trouble feeling cheerful about giving it away. My attitude is not what I should have. If it wasn't for guilt, I don't know that I would give what I do. Step two is confession. I'm sorry, God. Step three is calling on God for help. Please help me, God, to be the kind of cheerful giver that you love. I'm going to be the, the best that I can. If I'm going to be the best that I can, then it's going to be you who has to change me. And God will. God will change us. If we are serious about praying that we want to be cheerful givers, God will work that change in our hearts. For starters, God will change our desires. In First Chronicles 28, we see God do this in, of all people, King David. David was a person used to getting his way. David was rich. He was the king. And David had his heart set on building a magnificent building for God. A wonderful temple, the very first building ever built to worship the Lord. Maybe he'd even want naming rights. The King David Church of the Almighty God. But God had other plans. And David tells the people what happened in 1 Chronicles 28. 
King David rose to his feet and said, Listen to me, my fellow Israelites, my people. I had it in my heart to build a house as a place of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord, for the footstool of our God. And I made plans to build it. But God said to me, You are not to build a house for my name, because you are a warrior and have shed blood. So God gave David a new desire. A desire to raise everything needed for the next generation to be able to build the temple and to worship the Lord. And he personally gave out of his own resources 100 tons of gold and 240 tons of silver to cover the walls of the temple and to make the other furnishings for worship. And he invited the people to give as well. And they gave cheerfully. And he prayed with the people afterwards. This is from chapter 29. O Lord God, we have brought all these things for building a temple to honor you. They belong to you and you gave them to us. But we are happy. You could say cheerful. We are cheerful because everyone has voluntarily given you these things. You know what's in everyone's heart and you are pleased when people are honest. Always make us eager to give and help us to be faithful to you just as our ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob faithfully worshipped you. Instead of moping that he didn't get to build the temple, he is happy and eager to give so that others could build it. God changed the desire of his heart and he can do that with us too. He can change our desires so that we really do experience joy and give cheerfully. You know, I think about, uh, about little kids when they, they make something for a parent or a grandparent to give away, the joy that they have. And they'd be crushed if, if they gave it to you and you said, oh, no, 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 you just keep it. Their desire is to give to you and nothing makes them happier than when you open up that gift. Well, God can give you that same desire and joy in giving is we simply ask for it. God, please help. God can change our desire. And God can also change our perspective. One of the things that allows us to give cheerfully is seeing that everything that we have ultimately comes from God. David shows he has this perspective Perspective in another part of, of his prayer there with the people. He prays, wealth and honor come from you, God. You are the ruler of all things, and your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. God can change our perspective and change desires and change perspectives can change our attitude. We can have that attitude that, that God so desires, the cheerful attitude. So we pray, please help God. Help us find joy in giving. And then step four is is to just start doing it. Let's go, God. I'm going to give and trust that you will give me more and more joy in it. 
And then you just start practicing it. You practice joyful giving. It's sort of like batting or, or golfing. Do you remember the first time you ever picked up a bat or a golf club? Or if you never did, have you ever watched a beginner? They will grab that with a death grip. And they hold on so tightly that they can't hit a thing. And the game is no fun. They might even call it impossible. But with practice, you begin to learn to hold things loosely. And soon you're getting better and better. And the game becomes a joy. For you golfers, I'll have to take your word for it. Because like I said, I don't golf. But I know that what applies to baseball and to softball and to golf applies to giving cheerfully. When we hold on to our things so tightly, our time, our money, it's pretty hard to have any fun. And it's pretty hard to be successful. But when we hold on to our things loosely, just like someone holds a golf club or, or a bat, then we discover that we get better and better at it. And with God's help, what seemed impossible becomes a blessing. We really can give cheerfully. You know, when we started this series on impossible commands, we were reminded of the words of Jesus when he said, for people this is impossible, but with God... All things are possible. Now it says all, so this applies to all of those commandments that we've been looking at. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. God can help us do all these things. But when Jesus said those words, he wasn't talking to someone struggling with giving thanks or with rejoicing or with loving their neighbor. Now, when Jesus said those words, he was talking to a wealthy young man who was struggling to see joy in giving away what he had. Instead of, and instead of asking Jesus to help him, he simply walked away sad. That's when Jesus promises that what seems impossible is not impossible with God. And so let's pray to be able to do the impossible, to have the blessing of giving cheerfully. Lord, we're probably pretty good at giving, but we're not always good at giving cheerfully. We give so often out of, out of guilt because we're we're supposed to. We give because someone needs, even though we may not feel very cheerful about it. But God, with your help, we can experience true joy in giving of our time, giving of our, of our things. We can know the joy that you intend for us. Because not only is it a blessing to receive, but it's a blessing to give. Even a greater blessing, as you say. May we experience that blessing and be cheerful givers 
each day. Amen.